0: lengthy, difficult circumstances. What are the circumstances for the people of God in Isaiah 60? They are in exile. They are captives. They are in Babylon. Many of us this morning are tired of 2020. There can be a sense of exhaustion. It's been a long seven months For the people of God here that Isaiah is addressing, well, of course, he's addressing us as well. But for the original hearers of this, they have not been in exile captivity for seven long months. It has not been seven long years. It has been 70 long years. Now, take that in as we think about, oh, the lockdown, right? As we got locked into our nice air-conditioned homes, think about being dragged out of your home, taken out of your city, dragged into captivity to Babylon. 70 years. This is now the next generation that Isaiah is addressing. It would be as if, well, it wouldn't be as if, but if we were to try to make some sort of comparison, all of your children are now continuing in the pandemic 70 years later. Isaiah 60 lives there. It lives to carry them out of the exile. And it, it, it does so not just to physically carry them out of the exile, but to mentally and spiritually carry them out of the exile. It refocuses their gaze, and it is to refocus our gaze today in 2020 as well. How? How does Isaiah go about taking up that task? He will show us that there is a glory that is yet to come to the covenant people of God living literally around the world. It was appropriate that we sang about the nations today and the proclaiming, the church proclaiming to the nations. That, that is this text we'll see this morning. So before I get too far, let's pause and let's, let's pray. Father God, we thank you that we can be together. Lord, thank you for the joy of gathering together and lifting up our voices together and singing together. Thank you, Lord, for the blessing it is to gather Lord, now we preach your word. And as we do so, Lord, we again want to recognize we sit under it. We posture ourselves. We humble ourselves. We say, God, come speak to your church, your body, your people. Lord, we, we find 2020 to be exhausting and long. But Lord, this text lives to lift us out of uh, the mental exhaustion. Lord, that some of us might find ourselves in today. Lord, would you help us? By your spirit, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. That's how Isaiah 60 is to function for the follower of Christ then and now. It carries us out this morning. It carries us out of the fake news and the real news. It carries us out of the biased news. It carries us out of the pandemics and racism and it carries us out of pedophilia and sex trafficking and terrorism and election year exhaustion and broken promises and murder and, 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 and the mess of a sinful cursed world it doesn't just wipe it all away it's not as if it's just a blank slate that Isaiah is presenting to us it carries us to a day of joy and gladness in Christ so I ask you this morning are you exhausted you've come to the right place Isaiah 60 speaks to the exhausted saints of God. Has the world become too exhausting, too painful, too disturbing? Welcome to Isaiah 60. It lived in the exile and it lives in 2020. And so here's how we're gonna progress. We're gonna look at the before picture, which means we're gonna have to take you back a couple chapters. We're gonna look at the hinge and then we're gonna look at the after picture. So first of all, the before picture. We all love before and after pictures. That's a thing, isn't it? Wow, look at the transformation, right? The before and after pictures kitchen remodel, the before and after paint job, the before and after haircut, the before and after weight loss program, the before and after plastic surgery, the before and after weight lifting training, the before and after, it goes on and on and on in our culture. And it's beautiful because what Isaiah is doing, he's helping us to see the before and after picture, the transformation of the saints of God, the people of God. Well, before we get to the after picture, which is chapter 60, our text this morning, we need to go backwards and look at the before picture, which is chapters 58 and 59. At least we're going to limit it to 58 and 59. It's more than that. But I want you to have your Bibles open and turn with me and look at these different, different uh, verses here. So we're in chapter 58. For a moment, and the people of God—they're fasting. Do you remember that, that that sermon's three weeks ago? Now, do you remember? Just they're they're fasting and they're they're observing the Sabbath and they're doing these these great religious things in their mind, but nothing is happening. And they're literally crying out, "Why do we bother? If our fasting can't manipulate God, if our fasting isn't getting what we want from Him, then why do we bother fasting?" It's a good question. They say, look at verse number three. Why have we fasted and, and you see it not? That's speaking to the Lord. Why, why, why don't you see it, Lord? We have humbled ourselves and you take no knowledge of it. Behold, in the day of your fast, you seek your own pleasure and oppress all your workers. Behold, you fast only to quarrel and to fight and Fasting like yours this day will not make your voice to be heard on high. And so this is where the, this is the before picture. We're doing religious things, God, but you're not, you're not recognizing it. You, you're clearly, you're not seeing it. And that's why they're fasting. And that's why they're observing the Sabbath. It's to twist, it's to twist God's arm. It's to get from God something. They were actually not worshiping God they were actually worshiping themselves. They didn't want God. They simply wanted what God could give to them. They didn't care about the giver of the gifts. They just wanted more gifts from God. And since they weren't getting what they wanted, they're throwing up their hands and they're saying, why do we bother with this religious activity? And again, It's a good question. Why do we do the things we do? Is it to get something from God? Is that that the driving motive for us to be here this morning? I hope not. Is it to some way manipulate God, recognize the good things that I'm doing here, Lord, and bless me for it? Or is it just out of sheer worship of God? Because he is worthy. He is worthy of our worship. Why do we do the things that we do? If it's to get something from God, that would be legalism. But if it's to offer ourselves to God because of what we've already been given from God, that's worship. And those worlds are two different, two different worlds. So they're fasting. They're observing the Sabbath. Nothing's happening. Look, turn over with me. Chapter 59, verses one and two. So Lord, can't you hear us? Can't you answer? Can't you give us these wonderful gifts? Here's what's going on further. For 59, verse one. Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save or his ear dull that it cannot hear. So what's going on? Verse two, but your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear you. Why, why aren't you you're responding to our religious activity, Lord? Well, because you're sinful and you're not repenting and you, you, you're wanting to go your own way and do your own thing and throw some, throw some religion at it so we can have a little bit of Jesus. You know, we can look back at these guys back then and think, yeah, what's wrong with them? They are us. (laughs) That heart is in us. We're still in exile here. It's been a long 70 years. We're still in 2020 here. It's been a long seven months. The before picture Yeah, it doesn't look good. Life is a mess living in this sinful world. Pain and suffering lives there. My sinful heart, your sinful heart, lives there. And most of chapter 59, as you heard from Alex two weeks ago, it's just a mess. It's a mess. Remember Alex saying, I have to be faithful to preach the text. (laughs) This is the text that we're in. I have to be faithful to preach it. It's a mess. The people of God need to repent. Church, conviction of sin. What a grace that is. What a grace that when the church preaches repentance and the spirit of God comes and brings conviction to our hearts, this is not a negative thing. This is a wonderful grace of God thing. It is, it is fruit. It is, it, is, it is recognizing, oh, I do have the spirit of God living in me. Praise be to God. He hasn't left me to myself. He continues by his spirit to bring conviction to me. And then, out of that conviction, I get to repent of my sins. We want to preach repentance, it's a good word. What a mess, though, the people of God are in in chapters 58 and 59 and prior to that as well. What a mess. But the mess brings us to a hinge. Point number two is a hinge. Doors swing on a hinge. Aren't you aren't you grateful for that silly little thing right there? Like you don't think about this, right? But like that right there, I don't know, Dr. Hinge, whoever invented that thing, like, <laughs> love that guy, love that lady, whoever that is, but whoever had the genius idea of doing this and putting a pin through the middle of it. Like, wow, a hinge. Grateful for the hinge. We don't think anything of hinges. But there's not a day that goes by that you don't use or, I'm going to say, be blessed by the hinge. Well, if chapters 58 and 59 and prior to that is the condition of the Lord's people, the mess that they are in, And in the middle of that mess, they're attempting to manipulate God to then get them out of that mess through acts of religion. In all of that mess, the Lord brings salvation to his people. It's amazing. We take it for granted that the Lord brings salvation to his people or that the Lord has brought salvation to me, to you, it, it so easily just becomes a hinge that we just don't think much of sometimes. We live in the good of it, but we, we're just not focused on the glory that it's the Lord who brings salvation to his people Going back to chapter 56, verse 1. says this, Thus says the Lord, Keep justice, do righteousness, for soon my salvation will come and my righteousness be revealed. That's, that's going on towards the end of chapter 59. Look at 59, verse 20. And a Redeemer will come to Zion. That's the, a redeemer will come to the people of God, to those in Jacob who turn from their transgression, declares the Lord. There's, there's a hinge right there, right? Like this people, they're a mess. What, wait, what? What just happened there in verse 20? And a redeemer will come to Zion. And to those in Jacob who turn from transgression, declares the Lord. And verse 21, And as for me, this is my covenant with them, says the Lord. My spirit that is upon you, my words that I've put in your mouth shall not depart out of your mouth or out of the mouth of your offspring. Verse number 20. Those who turn From their transgressions, those who turn from the mess, the before picture, turn from their sin and repent, a Redeemer will come to you. Verse 20 is written in the perfect tense, which means a Redeemer will come to you now and forever. (laughs) It's a settled thing. Perfect tense. And then verse 21, and as for me, this is my covenant with them. My covenant. That's, that's the Lord saying, this is my covenant. The Lord makes his covenant with you. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, he has covenanted with you. And it's not your covenant. Meaning it's not about your promise to serve the Lord. It's about the promise Of God to covenant with you. Meaning it didn't originate in you. It originates in divine activity, in divine covenant. That God Himself, this is my covenant. This is not your covenant. Because we're covenant breakers. Is there anybody in here who said, God, I promise to live my life for you, and you've had some failings along the way? Like, this is not about you. Praise be to God, the hinge is not about you. It's not about me. It's about the Lord. It's about his covenant. It's about his promise, not yours. Remember years ago, promise keepers? Would have been better to call it promise breakers. We're not the promise keepers. He's the promise keeper. Praise be to God. It's not about your ability to keep your promise. Praise be to God. It's not about your contract covenant with God. It's his covenant. That's the hinge that we so easily take for granted. It rests in God's promises. So read it with me again. And as for me, this is my covenant with them, says the Lord. My spirit That is upon you. Thank you, God. And my words that I have put in your mouth shall not depart out of your mouth or out of the mouth of your offspring or out of the mouth of your children's offspring, says the Lord, from this time forth and forevermore. No chapter break in the original. No chapter break. No, close your Bibles. We'll come back in two weeks and preach chapter 60. No, none of that. Get the before picture. Get the hinge. Arise, shine, for your light has come. The glory of the Lord has risen upon you. It's God's activity that's the hinge in our lives. It's God's activity that is the hinge in the mess of the world in which we live. It's His Spirit, His covenant, and it's why we sing. My hope is built on nothing less, nothing less than Jesus Christ, my righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. When darkness veils his lovely face, I rest on his unchanging grace. In every high and stormy gale, 2020, My anchor holds within the veil. His oath, his covenant, his blood support me in the whelming flood. When all around my soul gives way, he then is all my hope and stay. When he shall come with trumpet sound, oh, may I then in him be found. In him, my righteousness alone, faultless to stand before the throne. On Christ, the solid rock, I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground, sinking sand. So we have a before picture. It's chapters 58 and 59. We have a hinge. That's verses 20 and 29 in chapter 59. And take the... Take the chapter break away. And we have an after picture. In chapter 60 is that after picture. It's the now, arise, shine, for the light has come. And it's the not yet. It's today. It's eternity. And it lives right there in exile the captive people of god in captivity to babylon isaiahs prophesying to them arise shine wait a minute <laughs> still in a mess here that's where isaiah 60 li- lives it lives in the mess it lives in the mess of our lives It lives right there in the thick of it to encourage us, to carry us, to stir us. You are Christian. You are not of this world. Paul says it like this. So we do not lose heart. Wait a minute. Paul said it like this Paul he didn't live through a little challenging pandemic Paul said this like Paul if you could imagine as he turns his back and lifts his shirt so we might see his many times over scarred back from being whipped we do not lose heart Paul, who was shipwrecked, Paul, who was thrown into prison multiple times for preaching the gospel, doing what he was called to do, following Christ. We do not lose heart, though our outer self is wasting away. That's, that's every one of us. <laughs> Welcome to Trinity. <laughs> Thanks for coming. We're all wasting away. Yeah, we feel it, don't we? (laughs) Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day for this light, momentary affliction. Wait a minute, Paul, please turn around again and please show us your scarred back. Paul is calling that his light and momentary affliction. What is it doing? It's preparing for us an eternal weight of glory. Beyond all comparison. Now, when he's doing that, the, the, the imagery here is he's putting, he's putting his suffering and he's putting the eternal weight of glory, it's on the measure scales. And he's saying, look, you put the eternal weight of glory on the scales of my suffering and he's saying, it's beyond all comparison. Meaning, like, the scales don't do it justice, as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. What does that have to do with Isaiah 60? Everything. That's what Isaiah is prophesying of. When he says, arise, shine, for our light is come, he's, he's pointing to a future day in Christ that day when Christ will return, the the trumpet will sound and he will gather his his people. We'll see in a minute from around all the nations they will gather. And his grace will triumph over the exiled people of God back then, found in captivity. His, His grace will triumph over that captivity. But listen, church, that's 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 not even really, I don't think, what Isaiah really has in mind here. What he's got in mind here is that God's grace will triumph over the exiled people, the people of captivity of 58 and 59 and the captive people today, captive to sin and death. Arise, shine, he says, Back up again. Verse 20, a redeemer will come to Zion. Verse 21, ask for me. This is my covenant with them. Listen to the hinge, says the Lord. My spirit's upon you. My words that I've put in your mouth shall not depart out of your mouth or out of your mouth of your offspring or out of the mouth of your children's offspring, says the Lord from this time forth forevermore. In light of that hinge, rise, shine, for your light has come. And the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth and thick darkness the peoples. But the Lord will arise upon you. I I love that. I love how he says to the people, arise, shine. And then he says, but the Lord will arise on you. And his glory will be seen upon you. And nations shall come to your light and kings to the brightness of your rising. To what extent is this after picture being displayed? The extent is that he's speaking in terms of eternity. And he's speaking his triumph will be far reaching when he speaks of the nations. Chapter 60, it's not a word, here it goes is gospelness. It's gospelness. It's "Today's a great day to live for Christ, in the middle of all the mess. But arise, shine, the light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Today is great, but tomorrow, eternity, huh? be far better. How big is your gospel in 2020? How big is your gospel in 2020? Do you have a big enough God for pandemics and racism? Do you have a big enough God? Can God handle election year madness and exhaustion? Is your God big enough to handle whoever our next president Will be. Do you have a big enough God for that? Or are the wheels coming off, depending on what your view is? Do you have enough grace for tomorrow? Is God big enough for tomorrow? Do you have, do you have enough grace for tomorrow? Meaning, will there be whatever grace is needed to meet you tomorrow with whatever we might face tomorrow? Or will God or will Christ somehow be defeated tomorrow? Because, oh, no, that person's in the White House. Oh, no, there's a resurgence of COVID. Is is suddenly God too small? Is our gospel too small to handle 2020? You see, if grace is only good for today, and if we're uncertain about future grace, eternal grace, then that's not very good news. hear the tone in verse in chapter 60 do you hear the tone hb charles likes to say don't bring your funeral voice to the wedding and don't bring your wedding voice to the funeral chapter 60 it's a wedding voice <laughs> It's rise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. The mass of it, in the middle of it all. Oh, he's not talking about small things like being exiles and captives to Babylonia. He's talking big things like being exiles and captive to sin and death. And the hinge verses have already been spoken. And so in light of this is not your covenant, it's his covenant, it's his spirit, it's his words in your mouth. Praise be to God. Arise, shine, for your light has come and the glory of the Lord is risen. Welcome to Advent. Yeah, we're three months out from Christmas, right? It's today, what, 27? Welcome to Advent. We will have an Advent season in December, where each week in December, we'll be preaching Advent, and our theme will be prophet, priest, king. Looking forward to that. But hear me, Advent is today. Today. Advent is today. Praise be to God. Jesus didn't simply come, die, rise, ascend, but he will come again. And that's what Isaiah is pointing us to in the middle of the mess. Hear the tone. In the mess of the exile, the hope for them, and the hope for, well, the hope for them, they were to see, Isaiah is both prophesying to them saying, Christ is coming. And they're to put their faith in that future coming of the Lord. And he's also saying, and he's going to come again. Yes. And for the saints today in the middle of our mess, Isaiah 60 lives there and it lives to show us. And Christ came as Isaiah prophesied. And it's to lift our hearts out of the mess. Arise, shine, the light has come. Christ is coming again for his bride, his people. When will that take place? That's not the point of the text. It's that it will take place is the point of the text. Why arise, shine? Well, because verse 20 Chapter 59, a redeemer will come to Zion. That's why, because this is who you are, because this is who you are in Christ. The question isn't why arise, shine? Why that kind of tone? The question is why would we not arise, shine? And the nations, verse three, shall come to your light and kings to the brightness of your rising. So the people of God, they're being summoned to enter into the light that is hers. And so verse four, lift up your eyes all around and see they all gather together. They come to you. Your sons come from afar and your daughters shall be carried on the hip. It's this picture of the nations. When it says nations, it's talking about the peoples. It's it's, it's not that, okay, um, You know, yeah, Germany's coming and U.S. is coming and England is coming and France is coming. It's not, that's not the, it's the peoples. It's every race and tribe and language and peoples are coming to this glorious day of Christ's return. One author stated it like this, the nations are just responding to the glory of the gospel message. Why? Because he is the light of the world. And since he is in you, the light is in you. And so nations, kings will gather. It says, it says the, the, the rulers and the ruled, which basically means the call is going out to all peoples, the, the wealthy and the poor and distance. Verse four, they come from afar. It's just this picture. Distance is no barrier. Remember back in chapter 59, their sin has created a barrier. Distance is no barrier. They will come from all corners of the earth. They come from afar. This is not, yay, the exile. Captivity is over. We're going back to Jerusalem. This is a rise, shine. The exile, the captivity of sin and death is over. And we're being called out of the mess to our eternal home, to an eternal city, to a new Jerusalem. Isaiah's prophesying about that last day, this worldwide gathering of the people in verse five is the result of this. Then you shall see and be radiant. Your hearts shall thrill and exult. I don't think the Bible has words for it. It's the best it can do. We're limited in language. You think so? (laughs) You think the hearts are going to be thrilled and radiant and exulting because of the abundance of the sea shall be turned to you. The wealth of the nations shall come to you. And on it goes. We live in a day of darkness. How else can you read the news or watch the news? We live in a day of unbelief. The assumption today is there is no God. But there will be a day of light in the midst of the darkness. When God comes and shines in all of His glory, there will be radiance in your heart, and it will thrill and exalt. Verse six: A multitude of camels shall cover over you, and it goes on. They they will bring their offerings. I think it even references, yeah, uh, they shall bring gold and frankincense. What does that make you think of, right? Like, yeah, okay. I'm slow, but I'm thinking maybe maybe there's a manger thing there. Well, there will be a day where it won't be just a few wise men, but from all corners of the earth, they will come, and they will offer to the Lord worship and praise it says they'll come from Midian, that's the south. Ephah from the, the east. Sheba from the deep south. Kadar and Naboth, east in the northern reach of Arabian desert. The point is all the races, all the colors, all the people groups, all the wealthy, all the poor. The nations will gather to worship the Lord. So many more things are in this text. We can only cover just a few more. Let me give you some quick takes. Some quick takes on the following verses. Verse 9, God will lift you out of the moral mud of this world. He will clean you up. He will make you beautiful. That's what the gospel does. Verses 10 and 11, there will be a building of the city. Verses 13 and 14, he will be a beautifying of the sanctuary. Back to verse 10, he will take his wrath and he will turn it into mercy. Verse 11, read that with me. Your gates shall be con- open continually day and night. They shall not be shut. That people may bring to you the wealth of the nations with their kings led in procession. The, the picture here is there will be such a stream of worshipers that there will be no, no shutting of the gate. That it's not as if, all right, we got a long gap between worshipers here. Close the gate. Now the gates are going to stay open. Because the flooding of the people gathering within those gates in the new city, the new Jerusalem. John wrote about it. It sounds a lot like Isaiah 60. In Revelation 21, he says, The nations will walk by its light. The kings of the earth will bring their splendor into it. On no day will its gates ever be shut, for there will be no night there. The glory and honor of the nations will be brought into it. Nothing impure will ever enter it, nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. In the rest of the verses, it just communicates this finality, this eternity. In verse 15, in the middle there, I will make you majestic forever, a joy from age to age. Verse 16, in the middle, you shall know that I, the Lord, am your Savior and your Redeemer, the Mighty One, of Jacob, 18, violence will be no more. You shall call your walls salvation and your gates praise. Verse 19, listen to the etern- eternality of this. But the Lord will be your everlasting light and your God will be your glory. 20, for the Lord will be your everlasting light and your days of mourning, they shall be ended. The end of 22, I am the Lord in its time, I will hasten it. What does the Christian do with that news? A day's coming. Great. Let's, let's wait for that. <laughs> Eternity is coming. I want to ask you this morning, are you a believer in Jesus Christ? If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, then you will view the mess of this world through the lens of Isaiah chapter 60. Arise, shine. That's already, that's not yet. That's today, that's future. But if you're not a follower of Jesus Christ, I must appeal to you to repent of your sins, to trust in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. It's back in verse number 12, For the nation and kingdom that will not serve you shall perish. Those nations or those peoples, again, shall be utterly laid waste. I appeal to you. Repent of your sins. Trust in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. You can do that now. You can do that in the auditorium. You can do that as you sit in your living rooms on the live stream. Second, what do we do with this? We proclaim the gospel in 2020. We do not sit on our hands waiting for a pandemic to somehow end or as if on December 31st when we flip the calendar at midnight, now it's 2021, all this is gone, and we get about being about mission. No, we mission now. We mission today. We mission, we proclaim the gospel. Number three, we live in the world, not of the world. And number four, we worship. We arise, shine, for our light has come and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. So let's stand, let's worship our God. That's good news right there. (laughs) That's some good news. You are Lord of all, in the mess of it all. Just want to invite you at the close of this service. So in just a moment, we'll be closing um, baptisms at my house. Please feel free. All are invited. If you don't know where you're going, please ask us. And uh, we'd love to have you there. Celebrate these two baptisms. I leave you with this benediction. It is from 1 Thessalonians, which we will probably be preaching in 2021. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23 and 24. Now, may the God of the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ who calls you is he who calls you is faithful he will surely do it praise be to our god you are dismissed have a wonderful sunday